0: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence.
1: Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence. Dear 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 Prudy. Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to The Dear Prudence Show once again. And as always, I am your host, Daniel Mallory Ortberg, also known as Dear Prudence. Uh, With me in the studio this week is a good friend of mine, John Thompson, a writer who has been indulged by outlets such as The Toast, The Hairpin, and Mask Magazine. He lives in Denver, Colorado with his cat, Piglet. John, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: I did not catch uh, when you send over your bio that you had written, that you had been indulged by outlets, and had I seen it, I would have changed it um, to simply published, uh, because I will not have you uh, putting yourself down in such a fashion on my show.
1: Oh, well, you know, I... (laughs) slipped that one past you, I suppose.
0: Well, well done. But that was just, this is really fun for me. I I have known you now um, for many years and have loved uh, getting to watch you write more um, and just hearing the way that you think about the world. And I am so, so excited to have you on the show today.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Is Piglet with you today?
1: He is not. He's not in this space with me. He's probably at home and he's going to is going to be so angry when I get back, but uh, but that's that's kind of how he is.
0: I can relate to that. My cat expressed his displeasure with me because I haven't been home very much the last couple of days by throwing up all over my shoes. So now I'm angry with him, too, but I can't do anything in retaliation because, you know, it's hard to bother a cat.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're the they're the heads of households. So. Yeah,
0: exactly. He's kind of got all the cards here. So I hope that your cat is not that angry with me. And I'm sorry to all of my listeners for opening the show with a description of cat puke. That's... That's just on me. But yeah, I'm excited. I know these are a lot of kind of intense letters, and um, I'm just excited to get your perspective on things. Um, Do you have like a a goal in mind? Do you have like an advice ethos? Anything that you feel like you just really want to communicate to the world?
1: Oh, man. Oh, that's a good question. Um, Let's see. I I would say, I don't know. um, Generally, when I find um, when people are ask really personal questions they're typically i mean the the cynical way of looking at it is that they're looking for permission to do what do something but i think you know people I, the way that i tend to to think about it is that um is that they're sort of looking for compassion um and um i i think uh, a lot of our the letters we've gotten or today certainly are are sort of indicative of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really fraught ones where there's just a lot going on and a lot of a sense of I don't know how much space to give this in my own life. Or um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of people who are saying like, look, I just want to do this one thing. Please give me the go ahead so that I can say I got an official stamp of approval from a stranger. So much as this sense of what do I do here? What do I what do I give weight to? What do I pay attention to? What do I focus on? What do I dismiss? Um, and that's, uh, that's always a really tricky question to answer. So our first one, I would love for you to read that letter because um, I just don't want to.
1: Okay. Let me pull it up here. <laughs> um, okay. This is uh get paid is the subject. Dear Prudence. I am a 16 year old girl currently living with my dad and his new wife. My stepmother and stepbrothers are pretty cool. I am not very close to them, but we respect each other's space. My problem is my stepmother's sister sees me as free babysitting. Since, high school, or since school has let out, she has dumped her 12-year-old son, 8-year-old daughter, and 4-year-old son at our house with no notice. My dad and stepmother are at work, so that means I get woken up by my stepbrothers, not wanting to deal with the babies. No one asked me, no one is paying me, and this is not how I want to spend my summer vacation. I have had to cancel so many plans because I can't leave these kids alone. I complain to my dad and my stepmother, and nothing changes. They say they will talk to my stepmother's sister. She steamrolls over everyone. I really hate this. I don't want to cause waves since my dad and stepmother have not been married long. I don't want to make this a thing, but this is not chores or curfew. I should be getting paid for this work. I could go live with my mom until school starts or invent an internship and get up early to go to the library, but I don't want to go across the country or lie."
0: This is, I'm sorry, this is This is absolutely frustrating. And especially given that you are a 16-year-old and all of the adults in your life are sort of uh, responding to this as like, as if you were like 30 and this was a mild inconvenience is uh, really frustrating.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to be taken for granted by anyone, but, you know, by your family when you're a kid is, is especially sort of galling.
0: Yeah. And especially when you already feel like, it sounds like the letter writer feels like it's a little bit on her to make sure that her dad and his new wife are like getting along and don't have problems, which is a lot of responsibility to be placing on your own shoulders. Or or if they are sort of implicitly placing that responsibility on your shoulders, that's that's a lot of them to ask of you.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, I, the, the main thing that I the first question that I had um, upon reading the the question was where the stepmoms, kids, these stepbrothers brothers Um, where they're at in this sort of configuration, because it sounds like, um, I mean, obviously there's, there's, um, sort of this reference or sort of an awareness of this sort of second shift or, you know, sort of invisible work that the, that this letter writer is, is being asked to do. Um, but, you know, at the same time, there are these other people in the house with her who are. You know, they're sort of shunting off these kids to her.
0: Right. Oh, and if it's helpful, I, I think I edited this down for a time. But the step brothers in questions who live in the, the house and are the ones waking her up are 10 and 12 themselves. So it's not like they're all 16, 17, 18, and they're just like, hey, you're the girl, you do it. It's like these are their peers, not really someone they could babysit.
1: Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, this one in terms of, of how to how to approach it. I mean, I feel like, and I, I don't know how you feel about it, but it feels like a lot of this is going to hinge on the family dynamic and how thing, how things are resolved in this family. Cause it like it personally in, in my family, if I had, you know, grievances, even legitimate ones when I was 16, um, I would have been told, you know, like this is how things are go. This is what we're doing. We're doing this because we need to, that's it. Um, and so I, I I couldn't quite, I mean, it's not really gone into in the letter to the extent where the letter writer is sort of how she's seen or heard within her family. Aside from the fact that her father and stepmother are sort of just in a holding pattern with her.
0: Right. Yeah. They, they seem nominally supportive. It's not like her dad has said, I actually, uh, am making this one of your chores and maybe we can talk about an allowance situation, but like, I think you do have to do this. That's not the situation. The dad's sort of like, Oh yeah, this wasn't my idea. I, I don't really want it to be this way. I'll try to talk to her, but I'm not going to actually take any steps towards, um, doing anything about it, which like uh, that does really feel like he's dropping the ball. Like this should be his and his wife's responsibility. Like, I don't know if the stepmother in question has a key. Um, It certainly sounds like like somebody's answering the door and letting them in, maybe the stepbrothers. Um, It sounds like he has not actually said, you know, you you cannot come over um, every day of the week and leave your kids here with my 16-year-old kid. And I'm going to, you know, not make the house available to you if you try to do that. Um, So that's hard, right? Like, it it would be great if you could say to your dad, like... And maybe you can still say to your dad, like, I don't want you just to talk to her. I want you to make it clear that I'm not available, and I'm going to go ahead and make alternate arrangements for my day. Um, so I will be at the library, or I will be out with my friends, or I will be at the movies. Um, so if she brings the kids by, there will not be someone to look after them, and she needs to make other plans. Um, that might help. Um, it sounds like your dad is a little bit of a pushover to begin with, but if you if you already have him nominally on your side, that may be a way to just say here's what I'm doing, um, which is not going to spend the entire summer babysitting three kids. um, And so, you know, I need your help um, in making this policy, like, fly. Um, And that's, you know, that's still a lot, because that means that kind of on a daily basis, you have to make plans to be out of the house, um, at least at the time that she would normally bring the kids by. But I do you think that that's probably going to be a better bet than moving across the country to be with your mom for the summer, which it sounds like you don't want to do, um, or creating a fictional internship. You don't need a fictional internship, um, especially if you have your dad's at least nominal support. Um, you can just say, here's what I'm going to do, Dad. I'd really, really appreciate your backup on this. Um, but even if you don't, like if there's an emergency, that's not going to be on me. Like I'm, I'm letting you know my plan right now. Does that make sense? I, I I feel like that's a lot to ask of a 16 year old, but she's already in a situation where she's being asked a lot of.
1: Yes, it's very, very much so. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a that is a, a good read on it, I'd say. Um, yeah, just yeah. When you're 16 and you're you know living with your parents, the amount of leeway you have could you know, possibly it varies from household to household, but yeah, um, it does sound like the, the dad is reasonable if a little bit, you know, um, ambivalent at the moment or mm-hmm. not really taking it seriously. And certainly I think it I think it's a good tactic to try and really get the dad and the stepmom in, in, in. In your corner, the the letter writer.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, it'll be helpful to do that because, as the letter writer says, like, once the kids are there, like, I'm not going to leave the house with a four-year-old and an eight-year-old alone with a couple of 12-year-old boys, like, um, which I think makes a lot of sense. And I understand why once the kids are there, you feel constrained um so i do think that saying here's especially since you have your dad's support i don't think you need to worry about making this a thing it does not sound like what you actually want is to do this and get paid um it sounds like what you want is not on a near daily basis um have like all day daycare be your responsibility um for your step siblings siblings or cousins um which I I think is a really fair thing. It's not like your dad is saying, Hey, I need you to occasionally look after your younger stepbrothers. That would be one thing that would be not unreasonable um, to ask of you, but this is definitely uh, above and beyond. So yeah, I think say to your dad, you know, I'm, I'm glad you have my support. I don't want to be difficult, but this is not working for me. And I'm sorry, your sister doesn't have reliable daycare, but this is not a workable solution. Um, I would love to have your help in communicating this to her. Um, but kind of regardless, like, I'm going to make plans. And so that way you're you're making it clear before she's at the doorstep with the kids.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense.
0: And, you know, to be realistic, you're 16. She's a steamroller. It sounds like everybody else in the family kind of has a habit of going along. It is very possible that your dad will say sure i want to help out and then when push comes to shove you're at the library and you get a bunch of panic texts from her um, or from the kids and uh if that happens um you know she may be able to successfully steamroll you at least for the summer um you know you may want to try to get a summer job um that's certainly something that you can kind of point to and say like i actually have to go you know that's a good thing to kind of blame um I just want to kind of, like, think of backup options given that, like, you are 16 in this situation and um, may not be able to effectively um, resist her until you're able to move out of the house. But, yeah, um, I'm sorry. That's a frustrating situation. Maybe get a job at a movie theater and make money scooping up popcorn or a better job than that. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, the, certainly the the probably the best way to, um, you know, avoid being saddled with, uh, with responsibilities is to have more pressing ones.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to lie to ask for what you want. You are not making waves. Um, it sounds like that's kind of your primary concern right now. Um, a- at least your dad, even if he is kind of uh, wishy-washy about this, um, does offer you some support. So I think you are in a relatively um, safe position to push a little more. And good luck. Keep us posted. I hope that if nothing else, um, you can get even just a couple of days a week where it's just you're out of the house, you're gone. Yeah. All right. Um, This next letter is one that I did edit in terms of content. Um, There's a lot of uh, pretty intense like anti-sex worker prejudice in there. Um, So I... uh, Change some of the language here, although I did it, you know, it's just it, it's got an intense tone, um, and I think that that was important to leave in to sort of reflect the letter writer's state of mind, which I think she should change. Um, that's where I'm coming from with it. But so the subject line of this is leave her at home. Dear Prudence. My brother has been very lonely after his wife died. Then suddenly he met Sandy, a girl younger than his daughters'. He pays for her apartment car and showers her with expensive gifts. Sandy has no visible career or education. My son Googled her and found out she was a sex worker. I'm struggling to understand why my brother would do this, but worse is why he insists on dragging the rest of our family into it. Into it, Sandy is his, quote, girlfriend. Sandy loves him, and Sandy deserves to sit beside him at family dinners and parade herself in front of the pastor that presided over his own wedding and the baptisms of his children, I am disgusted with my brother. He will not listen to any sense and loudly proclaims that we are all prejudiced against his finding love again. It is sickening. This is affecting his relationships with his daughters. One just got engaged and her father refuses to attend any events unless Sandy is invited as well. My niece wants to get married in the church that her parents did. Her mother is buried in the graveyard across the road. My brother's sex life is his own. If he wants to pay for a sex worker, that's his choice. But I don't think I should have to speak to her at brunch. Can you help me? Mm. So, uh, you know, just in terms of where I'm coming from with this, um, I don't think that you uh, should think of yourself as too good to speak to a woman who has done sex work at brunch. Mm -hmm. Like, leaving everything else aside, uh, I can certainly understand why the age gap is jarring for you. Uh, I can certainly understand not liking um, the new girlfriend of your brother after his wife of many years has died. Uh, All that makes sense to me. I'm not saying that you should just feel amazing about this, but the language that you're using here is so um, uh, dehumanizing, right? Like she's parading herself in front of the pastor that presided over his wedding, which sets it up as like the pastor represents love, sacredness, goodness, wholeness, um, and she's not just being a person, she's parading herself. I bet she's not, like, sashaying in front of your pastor's house, like, in a scarlet letter, like, beating on cymbals and demanding everyone, like, throw roses at her feet. I bet she's just walking. Um, I bet she's just saying hi. When you say parading herself, what you mean is she does not seem ashamed of who she is. And I think you want her to be, uh, and I don't think that's a reasonable expectation for you to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, Um man this yeah the just reading it i'm surprised to hear that it was edited because yeah the just the letters just suffused with so much contempt um yeah the the language is this the way that she views sandy is like the way that you would talk about you know someone dating an abuser or you know someone with you know a, a really a violent past and there's such a this sense of just such inherent scorn. Um, and I think, yeah, um, there's some, I would venture to say, you know, misogyny at work here. Mm -hmm. There is, um, just a lack of, just a, such a lack of compassion.
0: Yeah. Just not seeing a person who does sex work as a person. Um, just this sense of, this is a different class of person from me or my brother or his late wife. um, I guess she should be allowed to exist, but I shouldn't have to talk to her. Um, If anyone interacts with her in any way, they should be properly ashamed of it. She should be hidden. She should be demure and abashed and self-deprecating because her job is shameful and who she is is shameful. Um, And and I just don't think that that's a good way to treat a person. Um, Whatever your brother's arrangement with her, um, the fact that he's paying for a lot of stuff, the fact that he's a lot older than her, um, again, I you, you do not have to like that or think that that is a relationship that you would like to replicate um but it, this is not just a sex thing like for however long the two of them are together and whatever arrangement works between the two of them um they're in a relationship uh they're you know he's not bringing her to brunch and trying to have sex with her in front of you he's bringing her to brunch because part of their arrangement is that they go to brunch together um you know she is his girlfriend i i That's the nature of their relationship. So um, this idea that he's only having sex with her um, and is simply bringing her around to bother people uh, or because he has no sense of, like, what to keep in the bedroom, that's just not accurate. Your brother is dating a sex worker. Um, You know, clearly that brings up a lot for you. Um it, it, is it appropriate for you to say that because this makes you uncomfortable and disgusted you have a right to say Sandy can't come to brunch um I should be able to be snippy to her we should be able to not invite her to weddings um is that an appropriate response to my feelings no it's not
1: Yeah um you know I I think I think of the you know, things that I I've I've read that have been written by you know retired or current sex workers I know you had um charlotte shane on your show um quite a while ago and she's written quite extensively about um about sex work and what sort of struck me when reading her stuff was sort of this notion that um that the the real work of sex work in a lot of ways is is the emotional work it's um emotional labor of basically of having to to be with someone and having to be present for them and it sounds like you know there's the in it's it's referenced in the in the letter of you know what uh you know if he wants to pay for a sex worker that's his choice is as, as if what he's paying for is the sexual element but the fact that he is she is with him in all of these social situations um it seems like he's he has her there for he he has there for for reasons of support it, it is what I would assume.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I think is really important to point out is you don't know this because your brother said, by the way, I'm buying her all this stuff. um, And she, you know, has a career that involves sex work. And that's the nature of our relationship. You found this out because you got your son to Google her. Um, So, you know, this was actually information that you sought out. Um, This was not something that your brother was asking you to know about his relationship. So. That was a choice that you and your son made. Um, That's not a choice that your brother is responsible for. Um, And it doesn't sound like that was a choice that has brought you a lot of joy or peace. Um, So, you know, fundamentally, I think what this letter writer is asking me, us, is, um, is it okay to treat this woman with disgust, contempt and shun her because she does sex work? And my answer to that is no, absolutely not. Regardless of your opinions upon the nature of sex work, the gender dynamic of their relationship, um, everything else aside, um, is is the correct response ever be rude and unkind to a woman who does sex work? My answer is always going to be absolutely not. That's not the way to go for you. Um, if you need to limit the amount of time that you spend with your brother and his girlfriend, you know, you can do that. Um, but when you do see her... Uh, You need to be polite. You need to say, how's it going? Um, You need to say something nice about her shoes or talk to her about the movies. You need to talk to her like a person who has a job um, without, in the back of your mind, just thinking, you have sex for money. That's all you do. That's all you are. Um, You're a different kind of person than me. She's not a different kind of person from you. Um, So... You know, work on that in your own time. I'd certainly encourage you to seek out, yeah, some writing um, by people, specifically women, right? Because this is the situation here, who have done sex work, how they understand their own work, um, their relationship with clients, um, the way that they are received by uh, the world at large. um, And get a little imaginative, get a little creative, try to think a little bit about, um, how you would like to be treated in such a situation. And don't just stop with, well, I would never do that, so I would never be in that situation. Um, That's it. That's all you got to do. All you got, you know, it's not your wedding that you're about to have. Um, that's not your responsibility. You're not his daughter. You can let him and his daughters hash that out. Um, for you, all you have to do is occasionally see her at brunch, and you can be friendly to her at brunch. I absolutely have faith that you are capable of doing that if you turn your will and your focus to that task.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, just yeah, have to do some work um, on just reading the reaction you have to this woman and try and yeah be have some compassion for her she's not a you know she's not a demon
0: (laughs) no i i just yeah this is really um the 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 bias against sex workers is just really intense here just that language of like deserves to sit beside him at family dinners like again, it's not like his behavior when he's with her at family dinners is somehow inappropriate, right? He's not trying to, they're not having sex at the family dinners. They're not loudly talking about the sex they had yesterday or or, or doing anything other than what people do at family dinners. The question is simply, does she deserve to be at a dinner? Um, Should I have to talk to her? Should I have to treat her like a person? Yeah, man. Yeah, you do.
1: And and another thing is that it's mentioned in the letter that the, when the son, you know, basically snoops, uh, snoops her out, uh, says she doesn't have, they don't have, she doesn't have a um, visible education or career. Um, Just from what I know from, you know, writers that I know, people that I know who've done sex work, um, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, they do it because it's, they have disabilities that might be, a lot of times are invisible. And, uh, you know, they, people do it for all sorts of reasons, but You know, you can't you can't treat someone like they're, you know, a pariah just because of the work that this work that they do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one thing, letter writer, that you are learning about yourself right now is um, what do you think of people who don't have a, quote, visible career or education? Um, Because apparently if they don't have that, um, you snoop, you try to find out more information about them you judge them, you want to exclude them. When they do something like walk into a room, you call it parading themselves. Um, That's pretty fucked up. That's pretty classist. That's pretty awful. Um, Maybe reevaluate the way that you treat people who don't have visible educations or careers, um, because that is not the sole determiner of human value. Um, You you got a real opportunity here to investigate your own prejudices. Um, And I'm I'm not telling you, letter writer, that you have to overnight, um, you know, just love everything about the nature of, of sex work and gender dynamics and money and sex in this country. I'm not saying that that is an obligation that you have before you. What I am saying is you have an opportunity to be polite and respectful to a woman who thus far, it sounds like has been polite and respectful to you. And I think you can do it. And I think that you should. All right. Uh, next letter is uh, really, the, I don't know, the, the, the subject line made me laugh a lot. And um, I would love it if you would read that.
1: So the subject of the letter is, how do I and my partner avoid stoner shame? Dear Prudence, my partner and I have been dating for nearly six years. And we met when I first moved to a major city on the West Coast from the Midwest. We met through mutual friends, and he was selling drugs, weed, and some uppers at the time as a full-time gig. A few months later, he'd broken up with his girlfriend, we began dating, and he decided to go back to school for his undergraduate degree. He decided that selling drugs wasn't how he wanted to spend the rest of his life, and I fully supported support this decision. Since we met, however... I have used cannabis to help manage my epilepsy symptoms. This causes a slight tension in our relationship, primarily in how much is used. His family still has a pot farm in Northern California. And though I think it would be amazing to start a medical marijuana business because it has helped me so much, I went from three to four tonic-clonic seizures per year to zero. And because right now, as a small farm in a state that has legalized recreational weed, his family is struggling to keep it going and sustain themselves financially. However, he's hesitant to start this type of business and would prefer to find a, quote, legitimate, unquote, way of using the land. How do I best explain to him my intentions without bringing up past familial dysfunction in regards to drug use and his goals of working outside of the medical marijuana industry?
0: My first reaction is like fairly, I, I think I have a pretty simple take on this one. But I'm curious to know if you have any thoughts or whether or not you think that this is uh, an idea that the letter writer should pursue or where you're coming from on this one. You live in Colorado. Something, something weed.
1: (laughs) It's not a a world that I'm, you know, immersed in, but it's definitely a part of life around here. Um, I think um, I, I sort of read it and I thought there might be some. I don't know this crossing of wires or assumptions made um because it's it's sort of presented as though the stumbling block here is basically the shame that this brother or the sorry, this boyfriend has in um has in his past dealing um when it's sort of you know it, it I don't know if that's that's necessarily what the issue is here um I guess I'll, I would say all you can really do is approach this this idea of, um, of I guess, you know, pursuing we the weed business in earnest as an as an approach as a in terms of good business, um, in terms of yeah running this farm. I, I question I had was you know if this is a family farm who is running it? Um, are they? Um, is it their responsibility? Um, because it I mean it's something you could proce- probably you know, present to the people who are running that, that business. But um, yeah, I, I, um, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think for me, the, the crucial point here is not confusing what you want with what your partner wants. Um, you have had a great experience with medical cannabis and it has helped you with your epilepsy and that is fantastic. Um, and your boyfriend's family in a completely unrelated situation, has a struggling pot farm. Um, and in a third unrelated situation, your boyfriend does not want to work in the medical marijuana industry. So I I can understand how given your biases that you're coming to the table with, there's this sense of like, but it worked so great for me. I see this really amazing opportunity here. I think everything could kind of work out great. Um, But it's not your family, and it's not your farm, and it's not your career. Um, It's him. He has made it pretty clear, not that he has some reservations about managing a pot farm, but that he doesn't want to work, you know, in the medical marijuana industry. Regardless of how legal it is, um, he would rather do something else. Um, And he also has, uh, you know, a... some tension with you about uh the medical marijuana that you use um and you you also know that he has kind of a dysfunctional relationship with his family so e- even though to you it's like man this would all line up so great that's not how he sees it and so i think any attempts to sort of convince him. like i there's always room i think sometimes to like advocate for something for your partner even if they don't think it's a good idea i'm not saying you should never try to come up with suggestions or disagree about something but um you think this would be great because you'd really like it um and it doesn't sound like it lines up at all with the things that he's talked about wanting for his life it's not like he has said man if if only it weren't for my past i could really see myself helping to manage this farm and work in this industry he doesn't want to so I I think what you should do is say medical marijuana has helped me manage my epilepsy. That is fantastic. Um, My boyfriend seems to do better when he has a little distance from his family, and I don't want to encourage him to go into business with them in an industry he doesn't want to work in just because um, my symptoms have been improved. Like Those are just not related.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. No, that makes total sense. Um I think maybe when I first read it I might have skipped over or didn't quite pick up the the tension between the boyfriend and his family, but
0: Yeah, there was just that little bit at the end and it's unclear like what the tension uh, you know, it just says past familial dysfunction. So
1: Um no, but that, that's definitely I mean you it def, definitely does feel like you know the 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 writer presents it as, you know, how do I explain how do I best explain to him my intentions? Um, as though, you know, it's, it's a matter of her sort of presentation of this idea that is the, sort of the stumbling block here or, um, but it, but it does sound like, you know, he's, he has pretty solid, he has a, he has a pretty solid, you know, mind made up and and reasons for the way that he feels. And, um, yeah, I, I I feel like, um, I mean the, 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 issue of pot usage of, of your pot usage, um, the, um, the you know, using it to, to treat seizures like that is I I, I feel like he should chill about that um if there's tension in the relationship about that. Um but um but yeah that's a separate issue from the um from these ambitions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a little uh, unsure. The, the the phrase at the end is past familial dysfunction in regards to drug use. And that's unclear if that's about your drug use or possibly potential past drug use for him. You said that he used to sell drugs. You don't mention whether or not um, he, he ever used drugs or abused drugs. So I'm kind of curious what specifically was going on there. You don't tell us, so I don't know. Um, I don't think you can't say this, but I do think you should say, look, Here's where I'm coming from. I think this would be really cool. Um, But if you're really against it, I'm not going to pressure you about it or I'm not going to try to talk you out of reasons for not wanting this. So, yeah, I I, I don't think I I think you should really ask yourself, is there any reason to think he would actually enjoy this or do I just want it to be the case because it would work out great for me? And and if the answer to that is uh, I just want it to be true. Don't bring it up. But if you think, you know, to to whatever degree we can interrogate our own, like, prejudices, if you think there's a decent chance that you could at least have a conversation, sure, bring it up, tell him what you told us, um, and then also say, but look, what matters the most is what you're comfortable with, and if the idea of working with your family in this industry is just one that sounds pretty terrible to you.
1: Yeah, 100%, yeah.
0: Yeah, because uh, that, that's tricky, right? Like if you're working with somebody who's like, look, my experience selling drugs was a fraught one and I prefer to be kind of distant from it. And somebody else says medical marijuana has, you know, vastly improved the quality of my life um, and I'm kind of interested in doing more with it. Like that's probably that that tension will come up again. And, and that doesn't mean either one of you is necessarily doing anything wrong. That just might make it difficult um, uh, to talk about this sort of thing because it is sometimes true uh that sometimes people who have been really helped by medical marijuana can sometimes not always but sometimes see it as this like amazing cure all that's going to make everything better all the time um and sometimes that's a lot to bring to the table
1: yeah and you know if you have then obviously the you know letter writer she feels you know very strongly about uh about this and there are other ways of getting into um you know advocacy and um and sort of, you know, sort of putting out the word about the, you know, the way that it's helped her and the way it could help people um, without necessarily getting into this, you know, investment in this business investment um, with a boyfriend. Um, And, you know, that would be that's a possibility, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, good luck. And, I, and I'm really, really glad that it's been so helpful to you. That that must be just wonderful to not have to experience that kind of seizure anymore. I, I, I truly don't want to come down too hard on that aspect of it. Like, it is fantastic that that has worked for you, and I'm so glad. Um, and maybe you will find a career in that industry, and you will really enjoy it. And your boyfriend will find a career in a different industry, and he will really enjoy that. All right, this next one is a little heavier. The subject is, am I an abusive boyfriend? Um, and I'll just go ahead and read it. Dear Prudence, my boyfriend and I, we're both men, have known each other for about 2 years and have lived together for 9 months. Our relationship has a lot of problems, such as my anxious need to please him, his refusal to engage me f- with me whenever he's stressed, my money gifts to him, etc. Nevertheless, we really love and care for each other, and our lives have changed for the better. Before we met, I was an extremely lonely person who spent his weekends binge eating, and he was stuck in a dead-end job with a violent and homophobic roommate. Now I have a social life, thanks in part to him picking up the slack in social settings whenever my introversion finally shuts me off. And he has taken several online and traditional courses in programming and has much better self-esteem. Things took a turn a few weeks ago when in an angry fit I yelled at him, called him a fucking waste of space, and shoved him out of the bathroom. It wasn't the first time I've been irrationally angry with him. I've apologized and tried to make amends, but I know we've lost the intimacy that we had and that he's thinking of breaking up with me. Part of me wants to support him in leaving me. Mainly because I think I might be abusive, and the other part wants to convince him to give me a second chance. What do I do? For some context, I've been in therapy before because of my lack of impulse control, but never specifically about my anger problems, since I had nobody to be angry with. The therapy ultimately didn't help. Man, that last sentence really got to me. Um, That, like those glimmerings of self-awareness when you start to realize how bad something is in your life. Um, Just that... You know, my anger didn't used to be a problem because I didn't have anyone I could victimize with my anger. Um, that's really concerning.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's a, there's a commendable sort of self-awareness um, to this, this letter. But the sa- there's sa- at the same time, you have to, I feel, um, make a delineation between self-awareness and self-work, for lack of a better term.
0: Right. Because it's true that often in abusive relationships, um, the person committing the abuse does demonstrate self-awareness during the sort of uh, like groveling phase after um, the violence or the assault or the outburst. Right. It's I know what I did was wrong. I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do anything like that again. Um, I'm going to behave so, so, so well in every other way uh, in our relationship that you'll never feel that way around me again. Um, So, I I also wanted to do that kind of commending, but that's actually often a part of the cycle. And so unless this were, you know, attached to, uh, and now it's three years later, I've never done anything like that again. I immediately went to therapy and all these things have, I've been addressing them elsewhere. Like the self-awareness is not yet commendable. It could become something commendable, but it's not yet, I think. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. um, Because yeah, we were at the, we're at a point now where nothing has really changed yet. Um, and I, I think yes to therapy. Um, <laughs> very, uh, yeah, it, therapy is definitely needed in this case. And I mean, as as for the relationship, I, I would say, and maybe this is, you know, maybe this is unreasonable, but um, I'd say maybe a, a separation. I mean, the fact that it got physical when mm-hmm. she he shoved his boyfriend is... Yeah. Um. I mean, if if you the the letter writer are aware, um, of your tendency towards abusive behavior, and you know, it's happened before, and you don't say that you don't address the possibility of it happen again, but I think you know that it, it it might. Um, that I think putting some distance with this person between you and this person you love is is you know it could be. The best thing, and and seeing him in a maybe in a, a mediated therapeutic setting um, mm-hmm. going forward. But for now, yeah, that's it's that's it's a bad it's a bad scene.
0: Yeah, so I, I think the main thing that I want to address here is uh, the the worry that I might be abusive, right? Because the thing about that is, um, if you have been committing acts of abuse against your partner, then the answer to that is yes. Um, But that does not mean um, there's no hope. That does not mean you have to keep doing it. That does not mean you can never change your life. Um, And that does not mean that you need to get trapped into a cycle where you are alternately begging his forgiveness um, and then doing it again and then lashing out. Um, So, yes, based on what you have written to us, um, you have— committed uh, abuse against your partner you know you started out yelling at him angrily right it was not like you shoved him because he was pushing you or he was threatening you or getting um you know uh, trying to dominate you physically like you were yelling you escalated by dehumanizing him you called him a fucking waste of space and then you shoved him out of the room so all the escalation was on your end um And that's serious because that means that it wasn't enough to, um, you know, threaten him emotionally in that moment. You had to escalate it to threatening him physically. Um, And that's really serious. You need to take that really seriously. Um, And I know the idea of breaking up seems really painful um, because of how lonely your life was before. Um, But. the question you got to ask yourself is, do I trust myself right now in this relationship never to do this again? Am I behaving in a way that I think is safe for this man to be around? And I don't think you can answer yes if you go back and read your own letter. Um, So I think you do need to break up. And um, I, I think you need to do that for his sake. And I think you also need to do it for your sake because I don't want you to keep abusing him. Um, I I, I want him to be safe and not abused and I want you to not be abusive like that that would be a good outcome not for you guys to stay together or to make it work. Um, I I, I don't think you should wait for it to get worse. I don't think you should try to go to coupling couples counseling together um, to try to figure out how to get you to stop being abusive as a as a unit. Um, I don't think that that would work. Um, I think this is something that you're going to need to experience like real consequences for um, and, and go through some pain of um, making meaningful amends, not like getting him to forgive you. But you say like, you know, we've already lost the intimacy we had and he's thinking of leaving me. So the only thing that you could keep if you stayed in this relationship is a sense of control over him. You would not be able to get back that trust that he used to have in you. Um, you would not be able to get back the boyfriend who didn't think about leaving you. Um, And I think if you were to stay in this relationship, um, you would become more desperate for control over him. Um, You would want to control him more, and you would probably continue to use the tactics you've used previously, which is yelling, dehumanizing, and pushing um, to get what you wanted. So you say the therapy didn't work, didn't help. It sounds like because um, you weren't addressing the real issue, which is the way that you use your anger to control people. So I think, yeah, you need to break up. You need to be really honest with the people in your life about why you broke up, which is, um, I yelled at him, I called him a waste of space, and I shoved him, and I'm ashamed and scared of my own behavior, and I don't want to ever do that to somebody else again. Um, And I think you need to find a therapist who specializes in helping people deal with anger problems, um, helping people not commit abuse, um, helping people not be violent, Um, And you need to be really honest, not like, ooh, I was in a great relationship with a couple of issues, but I'm specifically here because the last time I got angry with my partner, I screamed at him, I called him a waste of space, and I shoved him, and I don't want to do that anymore. Like, that's the thing you need to tell your therapist, Um, and that needs to be specifically what you are addressing and working on together. Um, And, you know, you'll need to do that without this man as your boyfriend um, because he's just not safe with you right now. Um, th- sorry, I f- I realized I was kind of going on for a while.
1: No, no, no. You, I think you are one hundred percent correct. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah. Um, just the, yeah. The I mean the 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 letter itself is is very clear. Um, about and I think that it provides us with a very clear um, a very clear diagnosis, which I think you've 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 summarized very well.
0: Yeah, and I think there will be a temptation for you to want to walk this back of, well, I didn't hit him. You know, he knows I get really upset when I get angry. Uh I really need him. Uh I have a lot of anxiety and loneliness and and difficulty in social situations as context. It's not context. Um a lot of people go through those things and don't do what you did. Um and so when you want to apologize and try to make amends, you can't do that in this relationship. You've broken that trust. again, that does not mean um you are not a person who can ever again behave in a trustworthy manner that you can't do better in your life, that you can't have a better life than this. I'm not saying you need to just, you know, r- remove yourself from society and be a pariah for the rest of your life. Um but you can't make a you can't make amends and stay with him. Um, that's not, you know. Every time he goes into the bathroom that you guys share together, that's just going to be there. That memory of getting called a fucking waste of space and shoved out the door. Um, The way that you can make amends for that is um, to get your life right and to let him be well away from you.
1: Yep. And yeah, just that you you have to, this has to come from you. It has to be, you have to hold yourself accountable, essentially.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, that's the way that you demonstrate your love for him. Um, that's the way that you demonstrate the love for the relationship that you once had. And I just want to say one last thing, um, which is you say you want to convince him to give you a second chance. Um, I don't think you guys are on the second thing. Um, you say that you've been in therapy before for a lack of impulse control, which is really vague. I don't know what you mean in that, um. I really don't know if that means that you have shouted at people before, shoved people before, um, said belittling and dehumanizing things. You say also that you give him a lot of money, which suggests to me that in at least some way you're trying to use money to control him. Um, You say that when he gets stressed out, he doesn't engage with you. And again, I'm just – all these things together make me wonder, what do you mean when you call him stressed? Do you mean that sometimes the only way that he can feel unstressed is to get away from you? Um when you say that you're anxious to please him is what you mean you need him to be forgiving you and saying that what you're doing is okay um that's that's really distressing that's not good um
1: i, I assume that the the impu- the therapy about impulse control was in relation to the impulse eating that was um, oh
0: yeah that's possible yeah that's absolutely possible
1: yeah. and that the no therapy had been had covered As far as we know, no therapy covered interpersonal relationships or the way that he, you know, that he conducts himself. And that's really, really needed um, at the very least.
0: Yeah. And we also know that uh, previously your boyfriend has lived with somebody who was violent. Um, And right now he's living with someone who's been violent towards him again. Yeah. Um, And that's not good. And and he deserves better than that. So, um, you know, letter writer, I think that the way forward is for you to end this relationship. Um, for it to be clear that you are doing it because you need to be alone and work really intensely um, on dealing with your anger so that you do not behave violently towards other partners in the future Um, and that you cannot do that while also trying to make him stay with you. You need to be honest with some of the people in your life about why you guys broke up so that you can get the accountability that you need um, in this journey. Um, And you need to make an appointment right now with a therapist who deals with people who have committed acts of violence and abuse That's what you need. Yeah, right now, (laughs) right now. Yep. And I I really hope that you are able to take this moment of clarity um, and to change uh, instead of trying to rush back to just forgive me. Let's just feel good again. Let's just pretend that was a one-time, out-of-control, bananas thing that happened and will never happen again. Because that is a recipe for six months from now, getting angry again, screaming at him again, pushing him again, maybe throwing something and starting it all over. You know, you're only nine months into living together. You're only two years in. I don't want this for his next 10 years. I don't want you to do that. Mm. All right. So the next letter, we just went, I I wanted to end on a lighter note. It's just some good old-fashioned bad house guests, um, which is just so much more easy to deal with because um, it's It's less distressing, and it's just, it's not fun to have a bad house guest, but it can often later make for a funny story.
1: Would you read it? Sure. All right, so the subject is bad guest. Dear Prudence, recently we went out of town with some friends. They're closer to my boyfriend than to me, but my family has a vacation home and a popular tourist spot, and I was excited to go together. I really like them, or so I thought. They were awful guests, snapping at me, sticking me with a tab for two out of four dinners. We split the other two. And both grocery runs, borrowing money that they stalled to pay back, keeping dollar for dollar track of cab fares, even though I spent almost double what they had, at that point not even counting the loan. On the last night, after a final round of promises to pay me back the cash I spotted them, I finally lost it. I wasn't very kind to them, and we left on bad terms. I shouldn't have handled it that way, and I did apologize profusely, once on the day we left and then again via text. The problem is, I know my boyfriend will push to invite them again. He's already talking about next time. Frankly, I don't want to invite them ever again, and I probably need a break from hanging out with them for a good long while. They're his oldest and closest friends, though, and honestly I don't know how sustainable it is to not have them to the house ever again is there a way to manage this better next time? Or do you think it's fair to say we just don't travel well together and fight the battle to leave them out?
0: Oh, man, this, uh, this just gives me so many flashbacks to various trips with friends uh, in college and my early 20s. And just that sense of, oh, we all have incredibly different ideas about what constitutes normal behavior in a trip setting. And I kind of love that, like, like, the thing that the letter writer described sounds so bad to me that it would just be a foregone conclusion that we would never do this again. And I cannot imagine somebody being like, oh, yeah, well, like, all those things happened and we yelled at each other. But, like, it's going to be great to go back for another round.
1: Yeah. It's like the boyfriend just has to really step up on your behalf because, yeah, that, that sounds mortifying and just – incredibly stressful. And I I think it's well within your right to establish boundaries on this house that's in your family, um, a vacation home. And, you know, you can say that you're well within your rights to say that they can't, you know, be in this setting with you anymore. Um, And if your boyfriend doesn't get that, then (laughs) you got some talking to do.
0: Yeah. Do you want to tell me about a horrible house guest you've had or a terrible vacation you've taken? Sorry, I just like, really, like, caring about other people's problems?
1: <laughs> uh, well, no.
0: <laughs> well, congratulations, actually. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't... Uh, I mean, I, I've gone on trips with my family before, but, you know, we're... <laughs> we don't really... Uh, we don't really clash that way. Um, yeah, just... Um, I mean, it, the only thing, like... We've, I, when I've gone on trips with friends and the like, the worst thing that's ever happened to me is basically that we, we underestimated um, or actually we overestimated the amount of, of sleeping space that we had. We had, we had went to Chicago and um, rented this house um, just for people from all over coming to, to stay and meet each other. We all met online and I ended up um, sleeping on a pile of clothes um, and just, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> sort of a. It was a weird trip, but, uh, but we, everybody got along and everybody had good, uh, had a good sense of, you know, respecting each other and respecting how, you know, you, you handle things like splitting tabs, um, when you're out on the town and just all that stuff that seems so basic. Um, I don't know how these people get by with, uh, with, you know, treating People this other people this way.
0: I mean, Avil, congratulations on having the most like interpersonal conflict on a friends or family trip, just being like, I'm sleeping in a nest of clothes. That's great. I'm happy for you. Yeah, it
1: was actually very comfortable. So
0: <laughs> Good, good. I'm glad. Um, that's maybe the most raccoon-like story you've ever told me. <laughs> uh, and I find it deeply relatable. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the way that your boyfriend's friends behaved was super rude. Um, so I don't want to make it sound like it's totally on you to handle other people's rudeness, but especially because money and friendships can be really fraught. One opportunity you'll have in the future is, um, especially if you're eating a meal with these people or, or taking a trip or if somebody asks to borrow money, you can say no. Mm -hmm. Uh, or if they are trying not to pay for their half of the tab, um, you know, say, Hey, uh, let's split the check. Um, or if they say, will you buy our groceries, saying no. And that can feel really uncomfortable. But that's better than letting it get to a point where you shout, right? I mean, um, you know, if, if if that's what's happening, just bring enough cash for yourself um, and say, I've got enough cash for me and that's it. Um, and if they ask to borrow money, just say no. Um, and Certainly, I think you'll do that now in the future. Not that you guys are going to be especially, especially close, but um, one thing that I think will help you towards whatever kind of relationship you have to have with them, because if your boyfriend's going to keep them around as his oldest, closest friends, you may potentially at least run into them once or twice in the future. Um, Don't lend them money. Ask for separate checks. Plan ahead if you're going to be doing anything that connects to money with them so that you can look after yourself. Yeah. And then in the, you know, in the more... Uh, sort of like short term. Uh, your boyfriend is already like, next time is going to be great. You get to say, last time sucked for me. Uh, I really hated it, and um, I, it's not that I never want to see them again, but I need some time. So if he wants to take a trip with them, plan a different trip, um, or say, you know what, I will meet you guys up for supper, but you spend the weekend together. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take this one out.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, 100, percent and like, is, there are they are guests. Um, that you are hosting, and you know that it's and they're, his, they're your boyfriend's friends, and so you know it's in part it's on him to uh, to you know ensure that you respect you are respected the way that you ought to be, um, and if that respect can't be yeah if, it, if that respect can't be you know obtained then yeah you can do they can go and do their own thing
0: yeah so I think the first thing though that you need to do is. Um talk to your boyfriend, you say, I know my boyfriend will push to invite them again. He's already talking about next time. It does not sound like you have said some of this to him. Like he knows that you snapped at them, but since they snapped at you, it it may just be that he thinks that's how people travel together and it's fine. Um, So I think one thing that you should do is tell your boyfriend, like, I had a really lousy time. Um, I'm not saying that you can't be friends with them or that I never want to see them again, but I need you to know that was miserable for me. I don't want to travel like that again with them. Um, and I definitely need time, and I do not want to become like couples friends where we take a bunch of vacations together. That's not in the cards. Um, he just needs to know that, and then you guys can talk about that with one another. But he should, you know, don't try to minimize or downplay it, or like go back into round two without having that conversation first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you absolutely can say to him, hey, we don't travel well together. Like, there's nothing that will kill affection dead faster. I mean, there's lots of things that will. But one of the things that can really change how you see somebody is watching the way they handle travel and money. And if it's rude and entitled and they borrow a bunch of cash and they don't pay it back and then they're very, very meticulous about split splitting cab fare when they already owe you, like, $100 man, oh, man, you could be the most charming person in the world. And by the end of a weekend like that, I would be like, please sail away to Charming Island and never visit me again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. It's it's so fundamental. Like, you got to treat people right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and just – Oh, man, being rude and asking to borrow money is a hell of a combination. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Like, if somebody's trying to take some financial advantage of you, you at least want to feel like, well, I'm getting charmed out of it. Like, they're being fun and interesting and entertaining. I'm kind of getting my money's worth. But when somebody does that and is a jerk, it's like, well, what am I
1: getting here? (laughs) Yeah, 100%.
0: Well, John, we did it.
1: It was a ton of fun. And, you know, I hope uh, I hope. This is helpful. Um, this is this is great. Though.
0: I hope so, too. And I hope that your cat is not angry with you when you get home. I hope my cat's not angry with me. I'm definitely going to set aside some, you know, Danny and Milo time tonight so that he feels appreciated and respected and does not try to throw up on my new shoes because I love those shoes, John.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, personally it's it's been over two hours. So I know Piglet is going to be angry. But, you know, I just have to, you know, give him some time. And uh, and feed him some treats, and I'm sure he'll yeah. come around.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a one-sided relationship where I pay for everything and he's a jerk to me. But at least he is a cat, and I knew that going in, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to uh, the friends of somebody that I've been dating for a really long time. <laughs> Very much so. In conclusion, everyone should get a cat and stop socializing with their boyfriend's friends. Um, that is that is my uh, general advice to the world today. Unless you don't want a cat uh, or your boyfriend's friends are great or you don't have a boyfriend or you have a girlfriend um, or you're dating eight people. So once again, I'd like to walk back all the general advice I just gave.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Awesome. Okay, John, thank you so much. Have a fabulous rest of the day and please send pictures of your cat.
1: Thanks, Danny. I will.